Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Lynn Wilson and welcome back to Hope for Today. So we're talking about the gift of encouragement. So last week we looked at more of the um, spiritual side, the biblical side of what is encouragement? What does the Bible tell us? Did the Lord need encouragement? We went over that. Um, and just some you know general things about what the Bible says. So let's go back to Ephesians 4.29. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. No bad words, no junk, no, no things that are gonna make somebody feel like, ugh. You can't spell that, but you know what I mean. But that which is good to use for edification, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. That is good for edification. What's good to build each other up, to, to edify the believers, the body of the church. We should be doing this for each other. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you were doing. So it says to encourage one another and to build each other up. It doesn't say to discourage and to knock each other down. It doesn't say, well, when you feel like it or when that person really, really deserves it. You know, I've heard um, and I probably have used the phrase myself, you know, um, well, when they measure up in my my book, well, where's your measurement and who put you in charge of the measuring? Well, when they deserve my encouragement, I actually heard somebody say that one time, when they deserve my encouragement, that's when they'll get it. Whew. That's tough. I mean, how many things do I have to do before I be get on that list of that you're, you're going to approve for me to be encouraged? That's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says, therefore, encourage one another. Encourage, plain and simple. You need to encourage. Maybe you find that your personality isn't an encouraging personality. I, I, I have to laugh when it's sometimes it's funny when you're in ministry and people come up to you and they say, do you find me an encouraging person? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a discouraging person by telling them that they're not an encouraging person. So then you're trying to find a way of, you know, always find that silver lining, always find something. And, um, you know, always finding that one thing in that in their personality that you can bring out maybe in a gentle way they'll kind of get the fact that maybe they're not the most encouraging person um many times i've spoken and and i've shared just the analogy of when you walk in a room or you're walking up into an area and people can see you coming are they going oh it's lynn lynn's coming this is great i can't wait to see her i want to talk to her i want to see how she's doing or are they going oh lynn's coming all right, you you can help her. You talked. I'm going in the other room. I want nothing to do with her. She drives me crazy. What kind of personality do you have? Are you drawing people to yourself or are you pushing people away? Some of that has to do with the fact that you're just a miserable person. I don't know why people want to live in misery. I don't know. I mean, I have days where I've had a bad day. There are times where I've said to my husband, uh, listen, Rough day at work, I don't want to talk to anybody. It's not you, it's me, I need space. That's fine. Lynn Wilson, you go sit in the corner somewhere, put your feet up, get a cup of coffee, read the Bible, sing a hymn, whatever you gotta do, regroup. Okay, fair enough. Time out for you know 15 minutes, go regroup and refresh your spirit and then come back out and be a pleasant person. 
That's understandable, but some people, you and I both know, are just living in misery. I don't know. I couldn't live like that. But you know what? The Bible doesn't tell us if you know that person's living in misery, go the other way. It doesn't tell us. It says to encourage one another. So even those people that we kind of like, eh, I don't want to be around. I don't really like them. They're annoying. They're not friendly. You know, every time I talk to them, they bark at me. You still need to encourage them. You still need to build them up. Remember last week when we talked about the building blocks and we, we, we talked about how, you know, you get one word of encouragement and then somebody tells you something else and then, oh man, that just made my day. And oh man, she just, she made me feel so special. And, and then he came along and said this and man, that pastor came up to me and said that. And then all of a sudden that one person in church comes up to you and says, really, did you mean to wear that outfit today? Hmm. You really think you look good in that? Everything that was said, you could have had 25 great things said to you, but that one thing, that one negative thing, knocked all of that down. So, we talked again last week on the, on the spiritual side. This week I want to talk about the practical side. We talked about the fact that I feel everybody has the gift of encouragement. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, you might be a 10. You might be all-powerful. You are the encourager. Like if somebody looks at you, they would say, oh, she's got the gift of encouragement. That person maybe didn't have it. Maybe they had to work on it. And as they grew in the Lord, they, they really have exercised their gift. Exercise, you know, just like anything. If, if you can't, you know, walk a mile because you're out of shape, you could probably walk a mile if you got in shape. Get up and start walking and you walk 10 steps and tomorrow you walk 20 steps and after a while you've walked a mile. You've had to exercise to get better. It's the same with our gifts. We're not just, whoop, there we are, gifts are perfect. No, you need to perfect them, you need to practice them, you need to work on them. So on scale of one to 10, you might be a 10. That's really your, your, your strong part of all your gifts, this is your best. And maybe somebody else is down on a one with encouragement, but that is okay. Because the more we grow closer to Christ, the more we become like Christ, the more people should see Christ. They shouldn't see Lynn Wilson. If you're only seeing the person, then that's not right. They, When they see you, they might say, there's something different about her. What, what is it every time I see her? She, she's just different. That's the picture of Christ. And as we exercise our gifts, the gift of encouragement, as you exercise, you might have been a one, and now you may be a two or a three. You might not ever make it to 10, but maybe your gift is teaching, and that's where your 10 is. That's okay. Continue exercising your gift of encouragement. So what are some practical ways that we can encourage each other? Well, I'm going to tell you this, and you're going to go, how is that encouraging? Pray for each other. Pray for each other. Absolutely. When God places somebody on your mind, stop right then. Right then, if you're driving a car, don't close your eyes. Just keep driving that car. You know, stop at that red light. Make the left turn. Do whatever you have to do. Pray for that person. It does not have to be a 45-minute prayer. The Lord already knows that person's in need, but the Lord laid them on your heart. He's instructed us to pray. Sometimes I don't even know why, if God's all-knowing, why he's asked us to do things, but he has, and we need to be obedient. Stop and pray for that, that person. 
I don't know how many times somebody has said to me, you know, it's funny, Saturday night, I was praying for you, I have no idea. And I look back to Saturday night and I think, oh, the pickle that I was in, the situation I was in, something was going on at home and, and it wasn't a good thing. And here the Lord laid this person, uh, me on this person's heart, and they prayed for me and I had no idea. But how encouraged I was that they said something. So first, number one, is just pray for someone. If you don't know who to pray for, ask the Lord. Lord, who do you want me to pray for? Guaranteed he'll pop somebody in your mind. And it's not always the person we would choose to pray for. Sometimes I'm like, really? I don't want to pray for them. I don't like them. You know, I'm being honest with you. I'm taking off the mask. Last week we talked about what mask are you hiding behind. And take that mask off and stop hiding behind that you're the perfect Christian. Because none of us are. There are people I just don't like. But the Bible says that we are to love one another. I'm working on it. I haven't perfected that yet, but I'm working on it. But you need to pray for each other. Then after you've prayed for them, what do you do then? Well, how are they going to know? How are we going to encourage them? How are we going to encourage them? Okay, so you prayed for them. Great. Check that off on your list. Maybe send them a text. Hey, just want to let you know I prayed for you. Maybe you're an introvert and it's kind of awkward for you to go up to someone and say, Hey, guess what? I prayed for you. That's not your style. Okay, send them a text. I prayed for you. Maybe write them a note. I prayed for you. Maybe do a good deed. And as you're doing your good deed, you can let them know I prayed for you. Maybe send them an email. Maybe go on Facebook. Send them a note. Go on Facebook Messenger. I got to build this up here. We're getting bigger here. What can you do to build up somebody? You can pray for them, but then go back and tell them that I prayed for you. You know, when you know somebody's going through a rough time, the best thing you can do for them is to be practical. Whether it's a funeral or just they're going through a financial time or their car broke down or all kinds of stuff happens. The best thing you can do is to come alongside of them and offer your services. Can I give you a ride? Oh, that was encouraging. Can I, you know, watch your kids? Can I pick up some groceries? Sometimes don't ask, just do it. Just go to the grocery store and pick up some groceries for somebody. And uh, just, you know, maybe offer them a ride to the doctor, but maybe just pick up, um, stop off and pick them up and say, hey, I knew your appointment was at two, it's 1.30, we got plenty of time to get there. Maybe order a pizza and just have it sent to their home. All of these things that you can do. And in doing that, you are going to encourage them in a unique way. And while you're doing that, maybe while you're picking them up and say, by the way, the Lord has just had you on my heart. I want to let you know I've been praying for you. It doesn't have to be this long conversation that you feel awkward and I don't know how to talk to people. I'm not saying that. Keep it simple. You know, it's for those of us that are parents, uh, mom and dads here, alike we want the best for our kids and I know oh the mistakes I made with my oldest son I promise myself if you ever have any more kids you're never gonna make those mistakes sure enough guaranteed I'm sure I made the same mistakes most of us want the best for our kids we want a better life for them than we had ourselves but you know what when we grew up we needed to make certain mistakes we needed to get on our bicycle and fall and skin our knees. Because then you realize, well, when I braked that way, that caused the bike to jerk and that wasn't a good thing because I fell off. Then the next time you're probably not going to do that. 
In the same way when we're raising our kids, how many times have we told them no? You can't do that. No, 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 no. That's not the way you do it. Your tone of voice, your acceptance to an idea that they brought to the family table of mom and dad, I had this great idea. How about we, we do this in church? No, that's not our style. We don't do that. How many times have our kids come to us with ideas or excitement about something and we said, you're not good at that. You know, your son wants to join the football team. You don't even know how to throw a ball. What did you just do to him? You just completely devastated him. Some of these things, the rest of his life that would haunt him. How many of us have scars on our life from something that was said when we were four, five, six, 15 years old, and you'll never do certain things because of what somebody said to you? Nope, I'm not gonna do that. I did it once, I got knocked down. Nope, can't do it. How many people are like that? Don't do that to your kids. Edify your kids. Build your kids up. Tell your kids that they're loved. Tell them that you're proud of them. Tell them that they're doing a great job. Tell them all this wonderful stuff. Build your kids up. And when you do need to correct and direct, which is scriptural, maybe find a little bit more kindness in your voice, a little bit more tenderness. One thing I was told, and I will never forget it, my oldest, who's in his 30s now, was probably five or six years old. And I heard a preacher say, never forget that your children, once they are believers, they are now your brother or sister in Christ. Ooh. That was like, for me, that set me back. My son is my brother in Christ. Yeah, he is. My husband is my brother in Christ. I find it's easier to treat my brother in Christ at work or my brother in Christ at church better than it is to treat my husband at times. Now, those of you that are newly married, you're still in love and you're on the honeymoon and oh, you can encourage each other and everything's wonderful and all you see is roses. That's great. Keep it going. Finding words of encouragement. Oh, I could tell my wife a thousand things. She's just wonderful and you brag to everybody around you. Fast forward 10 years, 25 years, 35 years, 50, 60 plus years. Those moments sometimes get a little muddled by, you know, life experiences and situations and so on. And But we have to remember our spouse is our brother and sister in Christ as well. And if we can find it easy to do the gift of encouragement and edify and build up another person in the church or another coworker or your neighbor, you need to start at home with your kids and with your husband. For those of you that are parents and your kids are adults and you messed up, you really messed up. You know what I mean? We've all said things and there's things now I can remember my son's in his thirties and I can remember something I said when he was five and I cringe and I'm like, Oh, I can't believe, you know what? One thing I learned in a class that I took, you can never go back and change how your parents raised you. You have to trust they loved you the best way they could. And that gave me comfort to know that with all the mistakes that I could point out in my own mother, she loved me the best way she could. And that was the same with raising my kids. I made mistakes. I wasn't perfect. I'm a human being. But I love them the best way I could. And that's where I have to trust that God took over 
and God put other people in their path to build them up and to edify them. But if there are things that you can do and start fresh, just give it over to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for all those things I did. I want to start fresh today. I want to, I want to call my kid up and tell him I love him. I'm proud of them. They're, they're working or they're raising their own family and they're doing a great job or they're serving in church and they're a Sunday school teacher. You build up those kids. You tell your husband all those same things. Many years ago, my husband and I went through a really, really rough time. And, and I remember telling him I want a divorce. I'm done. I'm done. And the reasons now when I look back, I can't even really tell you there was this distinct reason. We just went through a, a rough time. And my husband said, you know, by hook or by crook, in, in his own words, we're going to, I'm going to stick this out. I'm going to give it to the Lord. And I wanted nothing to do with it. I, my, hard, my heart was so hardened at this point. And I remember just feeling miserable and sitting in this and thinking, this is not the way it's supposed to be. It's not. And I just started kind of praying, but not praying like willingly. But you know how you just talk out to the Lord and then you go back in your misery and then you talk to the Lord again. But through that, I remember the Lord saying to me, why did you even fall in love with him in the first place? I couldn't remember. I honestly couldn't remember. Why, why did I fall in love with him? And it took a few days. And I think I was just so stuck in Lynn that I couldn't see beyond that. But I ended up thinking about, oh, you know, I love how he does this and really does a great job at that. And to this day, Many, many years later, I have a notebook, and every night before I go to bed, faithfully, I write down at least three things, and, and three things is nothing, nothing, but at least it's a place. If I go to bed at night with three good things on my mind of how wonderful and why I love my husband. What a great way to go to bed. Next day I wake up, I went to bed with three good things in the back of my mind about him. Maybe you need to do that for your kids. Maybe you need to do that for one of the people you work with that you really have a hard time with. Write three good things. What are three things that you, you can admire about them? That just kind of changes your perspective and it allows you to find ways to encourage them. You know, words tear down, but words can build up. Who do you need to build up today? I was talking to a coworker this morning and I went in to, good morning, how are you? And, and they were really down. And, you know, you try and say a few things and you can just tell your words are going to do nothing. They're going to fall on deaf ears. They, they just, they were just down. So I went back to my desk and I was like, Lord, I need to do something. So I looked up a verse I was thinking of and I emailed that verse to them. I don't know if that made a difference. I don't know. They didn't tell me. They didn't say a word, but that's okay. First of all, scripture never returns void. And scripture is a great way to encourage. They didn't need to hear my words, and I was trying to be sensitive to that. But I still wanted to do something to let them know, hey, I'm on your team. I'm right behind you, and I can send a verse. Maybe that verse will mean nothing right now, but maybe in three days from now when that fog has been lifted and they're feeling better, and they go back on that email and go, oh, that was just the verse I needed to hear. Maybe you can share a verse like that. Again, it's easy for me to tell you to build up and to edify and to encourage. It's not always easy. It's easy to say those things. It's not easy to do. But God doesn't always call us to do the easy things. Encouraging somebody you don't like is not easy. Encouraging your husband. You might not like your husband. Maybe for a while, maybe just for today. 
but we need to do it. We need to edify and build up our kids. Our kids are the future leaders in church, in this country, in your county. They're going to be future parents. They're going to be future servants of the king. We want to edify and build them up. Don't tell them, hey, I want to play in the football team and then tell them you don't know how to throw a ball. Hey, you want to be on the football team? I think that's great. That's edify and build them up. I'll tell you what, how about we get your brothers together and your dad and we practice throwing that football so you get really good at that. Now, you know they stink at it, but you don't want to tell them that. But come along and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to go out there together as a family and we're going to practice so you are the best person on that team who can throw that football. Oh, man, did you just build him up like that? instead of coming along and knocking him down. Let's go back to the three things that we talked about that are happiness. Happiness, you need happiness today and there's no one around you to build you up and to edify you. Your daily needs have been met. Salvation has been given to you and you have a friend forever who sticks closer than a brother. I have found for myself the days that I practice the gift of encouragement. I become encouraged. Maybe not that situation isn't gone away. You know, sometimes we're in a, you have the peaks and the valleys and you're in a valley and you're feeling low and you're discouraged. But all of a sudden by you giving back to somebody else, and it doesn't have to be a Christian, it could be your neighbor who you need to share the gospel with. And, and um, you know, you just, we talked about a few weeks ago, the gift of hospitality. By doing hospitality and sharing a word of encouragement, is built them up, but it lifts your spirits enough that even though you're still in that valley, you feel a little bit better. Remember, you've got friends out there that need practical help. They don't always need your, um, what do they say? You're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Sometimes if we talk too spiritual to people, that's not what they need. They need love. They need a human being they need the human touch. They need to see that you really do care. And then as you show them that you care, invest in their life, encourage them, teach them how to throw the football. Don't tell them they can't do it. They wanna do something. Hey, I'd love to teach in Sunday school. You would? Oh, I've never seen you teach a day in your life. Are you any good at it? That's not what you say. You wanna teach in Sunday school? That's wonderful. Do you know we have a couple of positions open? Have you ever taught before? You haven't. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we sit down and maybe we can do a little practicing and role playing and you can ask me questions you have about teaching. And let me kind of help walk you through that. Let's see what age would be best for you. Build them up and lift them up and say, you know, you could do this. You never know what God is putting that per in that person's heart where he wants them to be, where he wants to rise them up to. And you just need to know that God is working in a way that it's not always up for us to know. God's at work. Our job is to do what he said. Our job is to encourage, to build up, to lift up, to come alongside, to encourage with a gift of encouragement. It's not to break down people's lives and people's wills. And, and I'm going to break them down. That is not your job to do. It's not your job to judge. It's the Lord's job, job to judge. It's the Lord's job, job 
to place something in their heart that he needs them to do. And it's our job to come along. Ask the Lord today to make you an encourager. Ask the Lord, who can I encourage today, Lord? How can I be an encouragement to someone? Who is God leading you to maybe write a note to or to make a phone call to or to um, send a text to? Again, we talked about this last week. Ask the Lord to send someone in your life. There's probably a name right now even popping in your head and you're going, I haven't thought about that person in a while. Maybe what you need to do is, I find sometimes when I'm kind of in a ugh, kind of mood and I got to get out of it. I start writing people's names down, friends, randomly. I might just, 10 people, 10 people I know. And I have made a list. And next to each one, I've written one thing I admire about them. One thing. I really admire on how your penmanship is great. I don't care what it is. Something that I admire so that the next time I run into that person, I already have a thought in my head on something that I admire about them. How many times somebody randomly came up to you and said, you know what I really like about you? And they told you. And you're thinking, what made them say that? Well, maybe they had a list and your name was on it and they wrote something that they admired about you. I just want to close with the two verses, Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Not you, me, Lynn Wilson. I need to make sure nothing is proceeding out of this mouth that is going to tear somebody down. But that which is good and edifying, edification that's going to minister, that's going to build up. In Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another. Just like this. We want to gently encourage and build each other up to the point that that person can serve the Lord in a unique and special way that is unique to them only. Build them up so that they have the power within them. Other than Jesus Christ, they have a human person that came along and said, yes, you can. You can do this. I'm so proud of you. You can do this. And in turn, you have no idea that life and how they will impact somebody for maybe eternity because you came along and you built them up and you lifted them up. Now they can serve the Lord because they've had those words of encouragement. We have no idea the part we've had in that until we get to eternity. So I'll leave you with those two verses. And remember, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I've gone over John 3.16. If you have any questions, leave a comment below. Give the office a call. We'd love to talk with you. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.